The brand change process is a two-step process. First, we must experience what we want to grow, which could be a healing of something negative and painful. We must experience it. We must have a thought. We must have a feeling. We must have a sensation. You can't just put a cable into the back of the brain and make people feel confident and worthy all of a sudden. Second, that experience must somehow lead to a lasting change in the nervous system. Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community. Whether you are struggling with mental health on your own or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you you know you are not alone. The road to recovery can be difficult and challenging. At Hope to Recharge, we believe that in mental health, together is always better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for joining me here today. As the saying goes, nothing will change until you do. Hi, I'm Atana Jacobs, host of Hope to Recharge podcast. We've heard from so many of our listeners and from the mental health professionals how changing your mindset is the first step in getting your mental health to a better place. We have also found that people are able to grow and heal faster and to get to a better place when they share with others that are experiencing the same struggles. To fill this need, we decided to create a small intimate group of people that will meet for a mastermind to take their wellness to a new level. We are calling it the Hope to Recharge Mastermind, Leveling Up Mental Health. This closed group will allow you to draw from the experiences of others that are in the healing path as well. We will get a little bit more raw and into the details of our journey. We will share with each other and we will set goals and exercises to grow month to month in the path of mental health. Who is this group for? This group is not for everyone. You have to be ready and committed to change, committed to doing the work, committing with your workout clothes to come to the mental health gym. Owning a better mental health state takes a lot of work and takes dedication and it takes persistence and it takes constant showing up and doing some exercise in order to move the needle. We are looking for people that are already involved in changing something in their mental health. Either they are involved already in therapy or go to a healing or they experienced therapy in the past, they joined maybe other masterminds or did something to say, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to move the needle. This mastermind is also for people that are givers because let's face it, when we share our struggles, we are giving because we are helping others to feel not alone. We are breaking the stigma and maybe from our personal sharing of what we're going through, we can actually help somebody else achieve what they're trying to do, which we already achieved before. We also are looking for people that are willing to break the stigma and are willing to be a little bit more open and remove the mask. We are looking for people that believe in positivity. They believe that things can get better, that they believe in hope, that they believe that we can try a bunch of things and fail, but we can also try and succeed. This will not be a support group to just talk about what's not working. We could talk about what's not working, but only if you are willing to accept ideas of how to make it work. We are looking for people that are willing to start practicing gratitude if they are not practicing already. So basically, this group is for people that believe that a mental health together is better. If you experience depression, anxiety, or any other mental health struggles, this place can be for you. If you're living with a loved one and you want to know maybe how to understand them better, or how to support them better. This can be a place for you as well. This group is not instead of therapy. This is group is not instead of healing. This group is not going to replace medication. It's an additional, it will be an additional aspect to your mental health journey to wellness. So as we said, we're going to meet once a month on a group call. Sometimes it will be a hot seat, somebody from the group that will share what they're going through. Sometimes I will share my insight 
and that will be the topic of the month. We are also looking to have professionals from the mental health world come and share their guidance with our closed group. So my question to you, are you ready to level up to mental health wellness? Are you ready to take your mental health to the next level, to live a better life than you are today? Are you willing to gift yourself the time once a month to show up and the rest of the month to do the exercise in order to move the needle? If you would like more information. We will have it on the link below. Thanks for taking the time and thank you for listening to Hope to Recharge podcast. Today, I have the great honor to introduce to you Rick Hansen, PhD, is a psychologist, senior fellow of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. He is a New York Times bestselling author. His books have been published in 28 languages and include Neurodharma, Resilient, Hardwiring Happiness, Buddha's Brain, Just One Thing, and Mother Nurture, with over 900,000 copies in English alone. He has been invited to speak in Google, NASA, Oxford, and Harvard, and taught in meditation centers worldwide. His work has been featured on the BBC, CBS, and NPR. You're getting it. He is really good. And I really wanted to share his knowledge with you. I read some of his books and it helped me a lot with my anxiety and depression. I read one of his articles that was recently published and I reached out to him and I said, maybe, maybe, maybe you will be willing to share some of your knowledge with my audience. And we planned this way back when I started this podcast. And I was so grateful to get him to share some of his insights with my audience. So I am so grateful for his time and for his knowledge and for joining us here today. He and his lovely wife live in Northern California and have two adult children. He enjoys being in the wilderness and taking breaks from emails. No wonder he has such a good well-being. Welcome to our show, Rick, and thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I hope I'll uh, improve in my pronunciation of your name, Matana. <laughs> Feel free to coach me along the way. <laughs> and actually, that speaks to one thing we may talk about, which is how we learn how we actually grow, especially emotional learning, mm -hmm. learning to be less depressed, learning to be less anxious, learning to feel happier, to be more skillful, to feel a, a greater sense of self-worth, yeah, uh, to feel more connected even to the natural goodness inside everyone. So anyway, that's a, a large uh, topic, uh, but even the subtlety of learning how to pronounce the name better and better and better, you know, is an example of that broader process of learning, developing, right. and so forth, which must involve the change in the body uh, for any kind of lasting healing or growing or learning to occur. The body has to change, right. and especially its nervous system, particularly the headquarters of the nervous system, the brain. So right here, mm -hmm. we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, briefly about your question, uh, it's a great question because who are these characters? It's like yeah. characters in a TV show. Right? Who's right. the hero? Who's the villain? You know, yeah. who's the friend who's really a villain? You know, like who are the characters. Yeah. So most people who do research on the nervous system, let's say these are neuroscientists, typically will publish the research. Most of them work in academic settings. They might be a professor, they might be an instructor, they might be affiliated in some way. It's an academic setting. Also, some people do research on the nervous system for companies like pharmaceutical companies or healthcare environments of one kind or another. Most of the people who do that kind of research on the nervous system have a doctorate in psychology or neuroscience or some specialty like cognitive neuroscience. Mm -hmm. So we call them doctors. Mm -hmm. Most of them have a doctorate in psychology. Most of the people who do research on the brain are psychologists. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they do therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm a clinical psychologist, so I have a license in the state of California. If I move to New York and to your neighborhood, you know, mm -hmm. I need to transfer my license somehow to the state of New York. Mm -hmm. So I'm allowed by the state to be therapeutic with people, to mm -hmm. help them deal with various issues. Mm -hmm. I myself uh, do not produce very much research. I consume an enormous amount of research. And then I try to cut to the chase, get right to the heart of the matter, integrate it and apply it. I'm a methods guy. I'm in mm -hmm. the trenches with mm -hmm. real people, with real issues, dealing um, both with uh, coming up from beneath the waterline, in other words, feeling depressed or anxious, et cetera, and then also moving above just being not sick or not unhappy or not upset, 
to the upper reaches of human potential, which is a lot where I work, actually. That's how I describe myself. I would say I'm a scholar. I don't call myself a neuroscientist. I think it's important to be kind of honest about what mm -hmm. we call ourselves as. Mm -hmm. But there, there are two points I want to kind of make briefly about this. One is that on the one hand, in our culture these days, that's so full of hype and selling and BS um, and a, you know, a willingness to you know, present a happy face or present mm -hmm. a certain look that's actually not really true, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be honest and modest about our own credentials on the yes, one hand. Right. On the other hand, in a sense, we're all neuroscientists. Mm. We're all psychologists from the inside out, because we are all directly observing in the laboratory of our own lives. Figuring it out. Yep, what we experience moment to moment, and what the effects are of changing things. That's mm -hmm. what a scientist does, and the deep root of science, I wonder what the word for science is in Hebrew, or the equivalent. Mada, madai. Uh-huh, interesting, in I guess Latin or Greek, I guess, in science, it means to know. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. That's, that that's what it means in Hebrew. Yada. Wow, isn't that cool? Yeah. And the yeah, root yeah. of the word for Buddha, you know, the root of Buddhism, let's say, is to know. The Buddha yeah. is, it's like a title, like, uh -huh. like the one who knows, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the title. So we are all scientists. Uh, like we are that. all engaged in this process of changing things around. Those are the independent variables. And then we see the effects. Those are the right. independent variables. So right. if I get more exercise, do I feel better? If I argue with my partner, do I feel worse? Mm -hmm. uh, if I do a little meditation, do I feel better? Mm -hmm. If I stop yelling at myself inside my own mind, what effect does that have? Right. Uh, if I listen to Rick and, and try some things based on how my brain works, whoa, what are the results? You know, do I feel right. better or worse? Right? right. And if I feel better, maybe keep doing it. So we're all we're all doing little experiments. We're all engaged and we're all inheriting the results of our scientific efforts inside our own lives. Nice. What I want to um, tell the audience is that you said it so beautifully that you are a consumer of knowledge and information. And I sometimes get overwhelmed because I want to know, I want to understand. I want to understand. And part of my, I feel like part of my mental health struggles is because I don't understand. And we get to this deep frustration of not understanding. So there's a saying in Hebrew that I think it's also in English that knowledge is power. The more we have knowledge, the more powerful we are to to heal, to do, to to just live a better life. And I like the way you said that we're all in this like journey of being neuro, mini neuroscientists and figuring yeah, it out from the yeah. inside out. We're yeah, all practical neuroscientists in the inside yeah. out in the laboratory of our own mind. Yeah. So, do you teach this also? Yeah, um, teaching. So I routine teach in various formats. So uh, I'll do workshops and trainings for physicians, for doctors, nurses, mm -hmm. therapists, educators, mm -hmm. business consultants sometimes, human resources people. Right. Uh, I'll do workshops and trainings for them and teach mm -hmm. in that format. Mm -hmm. um, I'll often give talks at universities, right. uh, workshops there. And online, uh, that's a kind of teaching as well. So I have uh, a website, rickhanson.son.net, that has a lot of uh, information at it that I've pulled together and, and written or given in little guided meditations or created PowerPoint slide sets. And people are welcome yeah. to go to my website and just look through all that information. It's a ton of really well-organized, cool stuff. And I also have some online programs that are very accessible, very affordable. And we also give scholarships out, which we love to do. They too are environments in which I'm teaching this material. Right. Now, to be clear, like I said, it's important to be honest here. I do not have an academic appointment at some university. Mm -hmm. um, I've taught university classes for credit, but I don't do that currently. Mm -hmm. And um, I respect, you know, people who do. Right. I, I came across your work a few years ago. I was going through a rough patch with depression and I watched your TED talk, which was such a big eye opening to me. I think it was right after I read the book, The Secret, which I realized, oh my gosh, that I actually have a choice of the way I feel and think. Like I have, like there is such a thing. It's not just life is happening to me. I am a part of the creation of my life and my day to day. And when I came across your TED talk, it was like, wow. And I was in a deep depression at the time. I had certain parts of my depression and I remember that it gave me such hope. And um, we're going to get into the TED talk soon and we're going to talk about it. But you, you 
wrote a, treme- a tremendous amount of books that can also be super helpful for people that are going through mental health issues or any issues in life of rewiring your brain. And your goal is how to be live a happier life, right? How to live yeah. a, a better and how to pre program our minds to mm-hmm. live a happier life. So one of the books that of many that you wrote was Hardwiring Happiness. Yeah. And that talks about neuroplasticity. I want to give the background of how you got into this and why. You, you give it in the TED Talk, but give a quick background why you got into neuroplasticity and the importance of re- understanding how happiness happens and a better well-being and a long, great life to create by our, our own self. What you just said right there is a question I think we all sh- are engaged with and should be engaged with, which is how did we get into or how do we relate to helping ourselves? to become happier and wiser, stronger and more loving, right? And um, my story kind of briefly is part one. When I was a little kid, I had this uh, strong awareness of unhappiness around me, kind of in the presence of my experience. And I grew up in a normal American suburban environment in Southern California. And still, uh, I just saw a lot of hassle, you know, a lot of stress, kids irritated with each other, grownups with kids, mm-hmm. nothing horrible. But I knew somehow it just wasn't all so necessary. Mm-hmm. That life naturally does include some pain, some sorrow, some loss. But then we add so much crap to it that we just don't need to. And somehow I knew that. I knew in a wistful, longing way that it just what? There's something wrong here. But I had no idea what to do about it. So that's kind of like part one. Part two, in my teenage years, I was about 15, I know, when around this realization occurred. Um, I was very unhappy. I'd been unhappy for a long time. It all seemed kind of hopeless. And then I began to realize that every day I could learn something useful, Mm -hmm. not about my schoolwork, but I could learn something useful about other people and myself. And every day I could grow a little bit. I could heal a little bit. I could become a little more comfortable talking with girls. I could become a little less affected by my parents. I could feel a little less like I was a broken, bad person. Uh, And I could grow. I could strengthen myself. I could develop. And that was incredibly hopeful. I could learn. The past was the past. The present was what it was. But the future was open country. Wow, that was a total breakthrough. And if that is important, if it's important to learn and grow and develop, then knowing how we learn and grow and develop is the superpower of superpowers Mm -hmm. because it's the one we use to grow the rest of them. So getting good at learning, especially emotional learning, somatic learning, body learning, spiritual learning, social learning, the learning that really matters, right? The learning you take with you every day uh, in in terms of what it feels like to be you Mm -hmm. and what your capabilities are as well. So that kind of learning is so important. Therefore, the most important learning of all is learning how to learn. And so I got really interested in that at that point. And And you were 15? Yeah. Wow. On your own, you like you said, oh my, like a light bulb went off in your mind and like, I could do this. Like I have the tools and everyone has the tools. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, honestly, it was like, and it was so hopeful. Suddenly there, it wasn't hopeless. And it also uh, calls us both to a sense of uh, power. Like you said, you know, the knowledge that I could learn every day. And then in fact, I could learn how to learn even more efficiently Mm -hmm. and effectively Mm -hmm. and happily, right? right? Every day that's knowledge. So that knowledge, like you said earlier, gave me power, but in addition to that very hopeful feeling of possibility, Mm -hmm. it goes right to responsibility because each of us cannot be defeated in our own growing, our own healing inside the inner temple of our inner being. Mm -hmm. And no one can do it for you. I love that. Yeah, you're responsible. And so it it tapped into a kind of natural quality. I have a kind of like scruffy independence, like what, you know, (laughs) and I was, I could be on my own side. I could be helpful. And no matter what was going on around me, it gave me like a a gyroscope, a gyroscope, like a center, you know, for me that was stable. All this crud's happening and I'm being rocked by it. What can I learn here? How can I understand that kind of person better the next time I run into that kind of person? Mm -hmm. How can I manage my own reactions a little better next time? How can I choose a better way? How can I take a higher road next time? You know, that kind of learning. And when that becomes your focus, uh, then what's happening around you becomes less important. 
I mean, it's important, but what becomes really important is your relationship to it and what you take from it, how you yeah. grow from it, which obviously uh, is of help to other people. Yeah. yeah, it helps you. The more you learn how not to be a jerk. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And the more you learn how to be patient or generous right. or wise or right. skillful uh, or resilient, you mm -hmm. know, so that you're not defeated by your circumstances and you can help others along with you, you know, the more you grow in those ways, the more you have for other people. The question is, how do you grow and learn? And right. um, that fairly quickly takes one into a consideration of how the nervous system changes for the better. Mm -hmm. Because any kind of learning, kid learns to walk instead of crawl or person learns to speak Hebrew, like I don't know Hebrew, but mm -hmm. I could learn it maybe, you know, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of learning or learning how to be happy or mm -hmm. to be more patient with your kids, let's right. say, must involve some physical change in the body. So you're saying we're born with a certain trait and mm -hmm. then we could rewire it and retrain yeah. it like any other muscle. That's right. You can learn, you can grow. And about a third of, on average, about a third of what makes us what we are is baked into our DNA. Mm -hmm. We're, it's heritable. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that means that two thirds, sky's the limit, or it could turn to crud. You know what I mean? In other words, that's the part that's, that we can acquire for better or worse. And people can acquire depression. They can acquire helplessness and despair. Mm -hmm. They can acquire traumatic memories. They can acquire a cold heart. You know, it can go negative. Mm -hmm. On the other side of it, though, we can acquire positive qualities. We can acquire inner strength. We can acquire happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, we can acquire mindfulness and compassion and self-compassion. These are things we can acquire wisdom. Uh, these are things we can acquire as well. So I got very interested then, the bottom mm -hmm. line in, yeah. in how the nervous system changes for the better. That's learning mm -hmm. and broadly. And uh, in particular, how we can be active agents ourselves from the inside out, influencing the brain change process. If you've become less depressed, mm -hmm. or if I've become less anxious, mm -hmm. let's say, the brain has changed in some ways. Yeah. So that's bottom line. It must yeah. change in some ways yeah. for there to be any lasting value. You know, you talk with a friend and it feels good for the moment, and the right. next day you're the same jerk you were the day before. So what is that? So what is that? This means no learning. That's, that is no learning. That but isn't, isn't life a roller coaster? Like we can be mostly happy, but then we have a down moment. Does that mean we weren't a happy person when we're down? That means no, we didn't you, learn? No, you said the right word earlier, trait. In other words, we will have experiences. We will have states. We also have traits that are more durable, that are more mm -hmm. enduring, for better or worse, right? We could have a trait of irritability or we could have a trait of calm strength. Mm -hmm. We could have a trait of depression, or we could have a trait of gratitude and hopefulness. So what's our trait? So yeah, nor experiences come and go. But the traits that we have inside ourselves, think of them as the core of your being. Mm -hmm. They're like the keel of a sailboat uh, that sink down in the water. No matter what kind of waves come or what kind of weather comes, the keel of the personal sailboat really determines how that boat operates. And mm -hmm. with some people, the keel of their sailboat, you know, the part that sinks yeah. down deep into the water mm -hmm. is covered with barnacles and it's all got all kinds of monsters curled right. up on it. And that's going to determine how that person responds to the waves of life. Other people like you, you've done a lot of inner work. You, the keel of your sailboat is clear is cleared away of a lot of crud, I'm sure. And you've strengthened it and deepened it in the water. That then affects how we respond to the mm -hmm. waves of life as they come and go. So then the question becomes, how does the brain change for the better? How do you actually do it? Do you want to know how to do it? It's really cool. You want to change I, your brain for the better? And I, before I, yeah, I want to deep dive because that's really the core of what I wanted in this conversation. So uh, we're talking about mediocre people. Just, uh, But what if, what if it's somebody that's in a deep state of depression? Can they do the same work that you're about to tell us? Is it? Can they say, oh, well, I'm clinically depressed. I, I'm diagnosed with bipolar, schizophrenia. I, this work doesn't apply to me. That's a deep question. So by the way, the word mediocre has a negative connotation. I think what you really mean there is like normal people, normal. Right? The, yeah. the average life yeah, that's up and down, yeah, struggle, yeah. frustration, true. just like what you described growing up. Yeah, you, yeah, were, yeah, you, weren't, you weren't deep depressed. It just, you had like an unhappiness, like frustration. hundred yeah, yeah. percent. I want to be crystal clear. The outer environment affects us, no doubt about it. And it's important to do what we can to help it be as good as possible, for sure, right? And 
if a person has a, a neurological condition of mm -hmm. some kind, mm -hmm. let's say they have a problem with serotonin metabolism right. or some kind of neurochemical glitch, mm -hmm. or they've had a head injury, or they've had the accumulation of a traumatic life, mm -hmm. including in very early childhood, because what happens to infants and toddlers and preschoolers changes the brain. Mm -hmm. So let's say now this person is an adult who's clinically depressed. I want to answer this question in two steps, okay? Mm -hmm. The brain change process is a two-step process. First, we must experience what we want to grow, which could be a healing of something negative and painful. We must experience it. We must have a thought. We must have a feeling. We must have a sensation. If you want to, let's say, grow a sense of worth, that you're, that you're a person with worth and, and, and you can have a sense of confidence in yourself and that you have value rather than shame or inadequacy or worthlessness. Let's say you want to grow that. First, you must experience it. You can't just put a cable into the back of the brain and make people feel confident and worthy all of a sudden. You must experience what you want to grow. Second, extremely important, that experience must somehow lead to a lasting change in the nervous system of structure or function. If there's no lasting change, if that second step does not occur, by definition, there is no learning, no development, mm -hmm. no lasting healing or growth, mm -hmm. no, no movement from yeah. state to trait. Long term, we want to grow traits. We want to mm -hmm. grow positive traits and we want to unlearn negative traits mm -hmm. because our traits are what we take with us wherever we go. Mm -hmm. That's what's inside us. That's what we can most count on. That's what we keep coming back to, no matter what kind of storms or waves in life hitting us. That's the process. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, can someone who is clinically depressed grow and learn in those ways? Mm -hmm. Or someone who is anxious or someone who is addicted or someone who has just a lot a, a bad habit, let's say, or maybe mm -hmm. they have a hot temper. Anger management or something yeah. like that. Can a person grow? <laughs> mm -hmm. And the most important question is, is the person motivated mm -hmm. to grow? There's a kind of saying in psychology, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. You can't change a light bulb that doesn't want to change. It's a funny saying, but it's actually quite profound. That's where we start. Is the person who's depressed, is the mm. person who's angry, is the person who's addicted? That's the key. It's the absolute key. Without that, nothing works. Yep. Zero, nothing. So let's assume that that's true. Yeah. I Let's like assume. I like that because it's so like we have to own the fact that we want to change. If we don't own it, I always say you could go to any healer, psychologist, therapist. If you're not doing the work and you want to show up to do the change, it's not going to happen. You totally nailed it. It's so true. And as a clinician, that's where I start with people. Can you get on your own side? Can you have compassion for your pain? Mm. Can you be an ally to yourself like you are for others often? Can you recognize the justice, the fairness mm -hmm. in receiving decency, I mean, mm -hmm. receiving good treatment? Can you have a warm feelings for the person you will be tomorrow or next year or in the last 10 days of your life? Mm -hmm. Can you be for yourself? And that's the very first thing to develop as a trait. Mm -hmm. We start to encourage it as a state to have that experience of self-compassion or uh, muscular for yourself or understanding of the fairness, the principles that apply here. And then we try to help those experiences, those states of mm -hmm. mind to become traits hardwired mm -hmm. so that more and more that's a habit for someone. I'd like to take this opportunity to pause for a second and give a big thank you to our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Have you been thinking of getting therapy for a while, but you live in a place that doesn't have therapists that meets your need? Or are they too expensive for what you can afford and you really want to get help and therapy? Or do you travel a lot and you can't access the therapist when you travel? Or do you come home from work and you're too, it's too late to go to an office for therapy? Well, betterhelp.com is an online platform for therapy. You can access thousands of therapists and choose from the therapist that meets your need. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash hope to recharge to receive your 10% off on your first month. Take charge of your wellness. Go try them out. 
they really try hard to match you up with a specific therapist that will meet your need. Don't wait to get help. Go now, betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. You can access them from your phone, your tablet, your computer. You can be in your bed and you can receive your therapy you need. Don't wait longer. And now enjoy the rest of the episode. I'm smiling. I just want to tell you why I'm smiling and the audience is not seeing this. I'm smiling because you open your book, Resilient, the one you wrote with your son, which is a masterpiece that I think every single human should have this. And not only do I think that every single human, they should introduce this to schools. Like more than math, more than anything, they need to start from preschool with the tools that you give in this book, which is incredible. Usually you read a book and you're inspired and then you leave and like, now what? The beauty of your book, Resilient, you go step by step and you give the exercise and you walk us through how to, and you break it up into four levels. It's so clear and easy. If anybody wants a change in their happiness and their well-being and anything, grab this book, give it to anybody you love, right? Give it to anybody you love and start young with your children. Give it to them. I wish I had it as a child. I wish I knew all this, even though we learned something, if we're fortunate enough to grow up in, in a home of a loving family. So they give it to you in like little bits and pieces, but you don't see the system. Like you write it so well, so beautifully. And it just step by step. And you start the book off with a saying that we grew up as Israelis. If I'm not for myself, who will be? And that's what you're saying. You need to give yourself the compassion. You need to start with you. We're so into giving to others and and to being kind to our best friends and to our children, to our spouses. But what about us? Where is that? Why do we not? And you start the book off and I smiled when I read it. I'm like, that's what it's all about. It all begins with us loving ourselves, accepting ourselves. Wow. I'm so glad you appreciate that book. Uh, It's I agree. I think it's a really great book. And I don't say that about myself. It's more like it just turned out to be really, really good and yeah. thorough and it has so much in it. And I'm so struck that you appreciate from Rabbi Hillel, right? Yeah, right. Uh, that opening quotation. So let's talk about depression now. So let's yeah. say it, okay? Mm-hmm. So if someone is depressed or anxious or they want to change, the first step is to experience something beneficial. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're depressed, you want to experience uh, a sense, a greater sense of vitality, mm-hmm. or you want to feel more that you're not helpless, that you can make something happen, or you want to experience something positive, you know, mm-hmm. pleasure, like eating a cookie or your cat is in your lap, or mm-hmm. you have a sense of gratitude. You look out, it's a beautiful day. So you start with those experiences, mm-hmm. uh, especially feeling cared about by other people. That's really important. Um, and then the opportunity, and I'll tell you again how to do this and, and your audience how to do this, to maximize the impact on your brain, the good impact, the lasting effects. You have this experience. Mm-hmm. When you're depressed, it's hard to be happy. It's mm-hmm. hard to feel vital. It's hard to feel like you have a sense of agency. You can make something mm-hmm. happen. It's mm-hmm. hard. So when you have that experience, don't waste it. You know, uh, Make the most use of it. The keys. If you want to maximize the change in your brain, there are different things you can do in your mind. There are probably three that are the go-tos. I mm-hmm. go to them all the time. I have a structured approach to this that people can learn on my website. But the key takeaways are, first and foremost, stay with the experience for a breath or longer. Keep focusing on gratitude. Keep focusing on vitality. Keep focusing on a sense that you're more like a hammer and less like a nail. You can actually mm-hmm. make something happen. Keep focusing on the feeling that your cat likes you, mm-hmm. that your friend likes you, your kid likes you. Mm-hmm. Stay with it for a breath or longer. There's a famous saying, neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. So the longer they're firing, the more they're going to be wiring. Stay with it. Don't just change the channel super fast to the next stupid thing. Two, try to feel the good experience in your body. Physically. It's okay to have it as an idea. That's where it starts. But try to help, try to feel it. In your mind, you might think, oh, I should be grateful for this or that. But you don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Help yourself feel grateful. Or you look at your friend. You know, you think, oh, my friend likes me. Do you feel liked? Do you feel appreciated? Do you feel loved? Try to help yourself really feel it. The more you feel it in your body, the more the better the more of a neural trace it's going to leave behind. Third, you don't need to do all three, but the more the better. Third way to be an active influence over the brain change process from the inside out. And no one can beat you at this. No one can stop you. 
you can do this. Mm -hmm. Focus on what's rewarding. What feels good? What feels good? What's comforting? What's reassuring? What's calming? What's, what's pleasurable? What's meaningful in this experience you're having of, let's say, feeling liked by your friend or feeling you know, that you're actually enjoying something in the moment, what feels good about it? And neurologically, the more we focus on the sense of reward in an experience and the greater the sense of reward in an experience, the more the brain is going to tend to learn from mm. Those three things I described are private. They last a dozen seconds, maybe uh, sometimes less, sometimes more. And no one can stop you from doing them. And every single time you do that, maybe five times a day, if that, maybe 10 times a day, every single time you do that, you're creating a small change in your brain, time after time, after time, after time, drop after drop, after drop, after drop, day after day, after day, after day, mm -hmm. you will gradually earn a transformation. And so I think someone who's uh, seriously depressed can do this. Uh, someone who's seriously anxious can do this. If you're severely clinically depressed, you literally cannot get out of bed, then it's difficult to use these methods. Short of a really, really awful, terrible depression, which sometimes happens, mm -hmm. um, the methods I'm describing have a beneficial experience, step one, internalize that beneficial experience, step two, these methods are available. Mm -hmm. Now, the last thing I want to say, though, is that what I've described are psychological practices and they're very effective. There's a lot of research that shows that mental training, psychological efforts, mental training of various kinds can make a big difference. But there is still a body. There is still the hardware with its neurochemistry, mm -hmm. its hormones, its immune system, yes. its complexity. And it's important to pay attention to the body and to move, to exercise, to protect your immune system, to reduce inflammation, to balance hormones, to make sure that the microbiota in the gastrointestinal tract are all happy, all mm -hmm. those little bacteria and protozoa and fungi mm -hmm. and all those microbes in the you know GI tract and the gut. Do everything we can. And sometimes medication is helpful. Yeah, you know, I wanted to say that. Yeah, right. sometimes uh, taking vitamins that affect neurotransmitters can be enough. And sometimes and I've known people who got benefit from taking medication. If I have a headache, I'll take Advil. Right. What's the problem? If right. I'm sleepy, I'll drink some coffee. Right. What's the problem? You know, right. so it's all about pragmatics. And, yeah. and a key for me is if someone, here's my, here's my test. If, you, if a person is actually practicing 10 minutes a day, 600 seconds. In other words, they're being mindful or they're cultivating gratitude or they're doing the thing I described of taking mm -hmm. in the good. They're mm -hmm. actually doing it. Right. They're motivated. You know, right. they are the light bulb that wants to change. Right. And if you're really giving it your all 10 minutes a day and you don't feel better in five days, really, really look to something going on in the body that is flattening your growth. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you do mental practices for a few weeks in a row. And you really are sincere. You really are doing it. But every, and you maybe you have a momentary benefit, but then you get dragged back down again. Uh, it's really important to look at physical health and intervening there uh, through things like Zoloft or Prozac or right. antidepressant. Right. And also pay attention to your environment. If people are in a refugee camp or running for their lives in northern Syria right now, and they meditate and practice gratitude, great. But they're still going to feel crummy because their circumstance is crummy. They've been betrayed. Uh, of course, they feel bad. And my point is not that it is to be really clear that the mental practices I'm describing are part of a whole package right. that a person should should engage. And then you just do what you can. Like, for example, some people, they're not going to be disciplined inside their mind. But if they go for a walk with a friend every day, that will be something they will do and will make them better. Mm -hmm. Other people... They won't do any kind of therapy. They won't do any kind of med meditation, but they will have protein with every meal and a better diet, and then that helps them feel better. Other people uh, love doing the kind of mental practices I've described, which I'm in favor of because they're things you can always do wherever you are, and you take mm -hmm. the results with you wherever you go, and that's right. good too. I want to touch upon a few things. First of all, I think it's a good exercise that we start training our mind before we get depressed, before life gets to us, before we get the overwhelming. Start early. Don't wait till you're depressed in bed. It's like a body exercise. Do you wait till you have a heart attack to start doing exercise or 
right away. You start, you run every day, you do push-ups yeah. every day, you do stuff every day so you don't get to the heart attack. Let's start early to integrate this into our body. And if anybody young listening, don't wait for the crisis to come. Everybody, Rick has this in his books, Everyone has stuff coming up in life. Everybody has loss. Everybody has pain. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has shock. Every life has stuff. No one is scot-free, unfortunately. This is life, right? This is life. Let's prepare ourselves with Rick's techniques of these important, important exercise for our brain. We treat our, we treat our body so fabulously usually. Like, what are we talking about? Diet, exercise, vitamin, you know, sleep. So why don't we do the same thing with our brain? You said if you're clinically depressed, I was clinically depressed at the time. And my ther- my psychiatrist said to me, let's get you on medication in order to get you off medication. And I got on medication in order to start your, these practices that you speak about. The mind- so well said. Yes. Totally agree. Yep. Because sometimes we're in so such a deep depression, we can't. But when yep. we elevate it, uh, we lift it up a little bit from and, and, yep. and get out of that cloud, we can think and we can notice and we can start practicing. And then we start wiring these neurons in our brain mm-hmm. and stuff happens that's positive and a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude noticing. And then we can start getting off meds of course, with the psychiatrist and everything, but there is a way, there is a way, which is like so, so fascinating to me. And I wish, I wish I knew all this before I got sick, but this is what it is. This is life. We, we, we fall, we rise. And, um, thank God we have people like you to, to teach us and to, to share with us. And we have so much more to talk about, but Dr. Hansen has to go, but I want to give two two things. First of all, Dr. Hansen has a bunch of books and all of them are phenomenal. The one he wrote with his son is super touching. And I did the audio and the hardcover. I love the audio. I love the audio because I was able to close my eyes and do the practices that you talk about. That's good for you. You're you're a super learner. Good for you. Because you can't really read and do the practice when you close your eyes. And I like, I like doing that and yeah. be in the moment. So definitely grab the books. There's also just one thing, um, hardwiring happiness. There are a few more. Go to Rick Hansen's website, which is rickhansen.net. Yes. H-A-N-S-O-N. And I want you I want to, I want to finish with this because I, I, maybe we'll have another session because I want, I talk every Thursday, we talk about gratitude and I really believe every Thursday and every, and I believe that when we have a mindset of gratitude, everything else is just, it just comes natural. It's so, there's so many benefits and how do we create that gratitude mindset? They feed off of each other, right? But I want to, um, if we have two minutes to give the acronym that you give of HEAL in your TED Talk, which is so powerful. Do you have two minutes to share oh, sure. that with us? Oh, great. And thank you for every kind thing you've said so far. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thank my teachers. Uh, they are speaking through me and now through you, right? Knowing how to grow. The mm-hmm. fundamental, how do I help myself grow every mm-hmm. day? And how do I look for half a dozen opportunities a day? to help myself grow, mm-hmm. the fundamental process of that, which you're right, they never teach in school and should. I summarize with the acronym HEAL, H-E-A-L. It's an easy word to remember. And it stands for have a beneficial experience. So that's where we start. Often because you simply notice one you're already having. You already feel a little grateful or create it. Deliberately help yourself, let's say, feel grateful. Mm-hmm. And then once you start to have that experience, that's only the first of the necessary two steps. We have to, I call it, install it. We have to internalize it. So that involves enriching the experience, E for enriching, by, for example, staying with it for a breath or two or three, feeling it in your body, recognizing what's personally meaningful about it. For example, any one of these things will turbocharge positive neuroplasticity process the positive brain change process. And then A for absorb. Absorb the experience into yourself. I think of these first three steps as like with a campfire, a nice Mm -hmm. little fire. First, have fire. Either Mm -hmm. notice one you have or light it. Have Mm -hmm. the fire. Mm -hmm. And then enrich the fire by protecting it and adding fuel to it. And then absorb the warmth into yourself. Mm, Yum, yum, yum. It feels so good. That's the essence of the process. Then there's the L step for link, which is Mm -hmm. optional, Mm -hmm. in which 
you're aware of both negative and positive at the same time, mm -hmm. or your attention is going back and forth pretty fast between them. Oh. And you make the positive big. So let's say in the moment, you have the feeling of gratitude be big, and off to the side is a sense of sadness, let's mm. say. Okay, well, since neurons that fire together wire together, the positive gratitude will start to associate with the sadness and calm it and ease it eat and even eventually replace it. Mm -hmm. The linking step is optional because it's not inherently necessary to grow positive traits inside, inner strengths of various kinds, like an attitude of gratitude. Mm -hmm. um, and second, uh, the link step is optional because for some people, when they're aware of the negative material, they get sucked into it. They get mm -hmm. hijacked by it. Right. Okay. But if you can keep the negative small and off to the side and keep focusing on the positive, that's a very, very, very powerful neuropsychological method for healing yourself and replacing weeds in the garden yes. of your mind with beautiful, happy flowers. So that's exactly. the fundamental acronym, the HEAL acronym. Right. And if you want to watch Dr. Hansen explain this step by step, and you can revisit his TED Talk, which is called, I think it's, Hardwiring happiness? Probably. If they just Google uh, the name. Right, TED right, talk. right. I have two talks that are like TED Talks. Uh, one is an actual TED Talk. So, yeah, either one will come up. And it's short, it's sweet. And I've got yeah. three pictures. And very know, powerful. Balls red balls. Yeah, and very, very powerful. And when you're in a, in a funk, go to this TED Talk because it's such a powerful tool. And also, I want to just tell my audience that your son and you have a podcast as well that is called Be Well. Is that Being a, Well? Being yeah. Well. Being Well. Being well yeah. Phenomenal interviews, phenomenal interviews. And it's all about understanding the brain and looking for ways to creating more happiness, well being, yeah. and a, a, a more peaceful, enjoy, enjoyable life. And it's a great, great podcast. I highly recommend it. And they sound so alike. Sometimes you don't know who's talking. <laughs> if it's Forrest, it's, it's, I, I always say thank God they're introducing themselves because I never know if it's Forrest or you speaking because you really sound the same. And I love the fact that you work together. Is he also a psychologist? He's, no, he's um, a great kid, great guy. He's 32. He's no longer a kid. Yeah. And he is interested in psychology, but like a lot of people, He's not a natural counselor. It's not his particular interest, although he's deeply interested in mental health and positive psychology, and he's mm -hmm. just a joy to work with and to yeah. know. And I'm really happy that he's my son. Yeah, and Talk uh, about a gift. Your yeah, name, Matana. Yeah. Forrest is my Matana. Well <laughs> my daughter-in-law. And he interviews so well, and there's such a calm um, vibration in his voice, and it's just, it's so enjoyable to listen to him, and he's interested, and he's really curious about mental health, and you could see that he practices it very well. Oh, it's something close. You. Please tell him thank you in my I behalf. Tell Please that. tell you. him that it's really a, a phenomenal podcast, and I, I'm in awe of him, and I'm going to let you go. I just want to ask you, what does hope mean to you? Let's see. Hope. What I'm doing is looking into my own experience. Mm -hmm. What's the feeling of hope? Well, I want to say first that there's certain kinds of hope that I don't experience much and I don't want to experience much and helpless hope. That kind of hope, it's just not natural to me. Maybe it's helpful to some people. For me, helpless hope is, it feels naive somehow and like it won't help. So mm -hmm. helpless hope. Uh, I want to see the world clearly. And if um, terrible things are coming toward me, if a storm is coming, I don't want to have some kind of hope that the storm will not come, you know, because the storm is coming or mm -hmm. the storm is here. So that kind of hope I want to set to the side. And, and I understand that for some people, it's actually helpful to have a helpless hope, even in the worst of times. They take refuge in that. They take comfort in that. Okay, but it's, it's not authentic to me. So I just want mm. to acknowledge that. Mm. The hope that feels real in my own heart, I would use words a little bit more like confidence or optimism. Mm -hmm. it, it's a sense that there are things I can do. There are actions I can take with my body or only inside my own mind, only inside my own being. But there's, there's something I can do. Mm -hmm. And that quality of hope, which is grounded in a feeling of resourcefulness and responsibility, uh, is very important, I think. And absolutely, 
uh, it's central. It's the idea that no matter what is happening, I can practice with this in some way. And you may know the work of Viktor Frankl, mm -hmm. a Holocaust survivor, yeah. founder of kind of existential approaches. Man's Search for Meaning is his memoir. And he talked about even in the most horrible, horrible, horrible hell on earth situations, inside your own mind, there's always hope because there's always a way you can relate to your situation um, in a way that's beneficial, at least inside yourself. You can choose your relationship to what's happening. And that kind of hope, I think, is actually really important and central to me. I think it's interesting that you chose that because I, I was, I thought you're going to say to me, hope is what happened to me when I was 15. And I figured out that I have a choice and a way Mm. Of, of of figuring it out and growing and creating because the tools are in my hand. So I have hope that I could do it, which is similar to your answer that it's in you to be able to do and change and, and do the work. Very, very intelligent, Montana. Really. <laughs> and not many people say that, but I'm, de I'm very deep. I am very deep and I it's my curse and my blessing at the same time. But um, I like that. So I could go on for, maybe you'll give us in the next half a year another talk that we could think about mindset and gratitude because I, I, it's fascinating to me. And you have a chapter in your book about it. Mm -hmm. And I listened to it three times because I'm very into gratitude. So I got a little bit of it, but I want a little bit more. Uh -huh. So we'll see if we can grab another little bit of um, Dr. Hansen. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate thank it. Thank you. And thank you for the service. And thank oh. you for your practice. Thank Montana. you. Thank, thank you. you for your practice. The fact that you practice, you engage your mind, you make effort, you have courage. It's for my selfishness. I do it for myself because I want a well, better it's life. Benefit it's to everyone as well. Yeah. Seriously, I think we should thank each other for our practice. It's true. And I think we should practice. And one of my first questions with a therapist after we kind of unpack what's happening with people is, "How are you practicing with that? Mm. What's your relationship to it? How are you helping yourself? Right? And right. you clearly are someone who practices. I try. I try. That I, I bow to. You. I try. I I fail many times, but I get up again, and I and I yeah. and I really try to to be the positive mindset versus the negative because it doesn't come easy to me, but I practice it. So Very thank good. you. Thank you for your time. I'm sorry we're over time. Um, have a wonderful weekend. And thank you, everybody, for joining. And definitely, you need to get some of Dr. Hansen's books. It's going to change so much of your life. And train your children. If anybody of you have children, train them young. Train them young. Don't wait for crises. Give them the tools, just like math, English, science, geography. Give them the tools to create their own well-being, to create their own happiness, to create a better life. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Bye till next time. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.